0: You're listening to Modern Intimacy, a show about mental health, sex, relationships, and the private things we need to talk about more publicly. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri. As a licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, certified sex addiction therapist, and packed trained couples therapist, I help people live more fulfilled lives by shattering stigma, erasing shame, and building connections. It's no secret that we live in a society that compartmentalizes mental health and sex from our everyday lives. On this show, we're going to change that, and we'll do it by getting curious together. In this podcast, I'll invite you to join me as I investigate the relationship between sex, mental health, relationships, and modern society. In each episode, it's my goal to provide safe, smart, dimensional, and practical answers to those complex questions you've been wondering about. Head on over to modernintimacy.com slash podcast for show notes and resources, or to submit a question or topic you'd like me to explore in future episodes, as well as to find all the links to follow us on your favorite podcast apps so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Dr. Kate Balistrieri for daily tips on how to improve your mental health, sex, and relationships. Everyone has questions. You are not alone. On this show, I make information accessible because everyone deserves to have more integrated, healthy, and sexually satisfying relationships. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. For those who call themselves feminists, it's an easy decision. The decision to treat everyone equally, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of religious ideation, regardless of any of the things that make us diverse and unique but feminism can be an incredibly polarizing word. And there are a lot of misconceptions about what feminism really means and what the goals of feminists are. Another question I hear a lot is, can men even be feminists? Well, joining me today on the Modern Intimacy podcast is Evelyn Nam. Evelyn is famous on TikTok and Instagram at perspective, And Evelyn's work as a gender scholar is absolutely turning heads and shattering paradigms. Evelyn is incredibly insightful, and her quest for bringing awareness to the true meaning, purpose, and benefits of feminism are ringing loudly across the world. So join me now as Evelyn and I talk about what is men's role in feminism, and how can they be a strong ally?
1: (laughs) I'm going to call you goddess of gender (laughs) scholar, because... You have been so awesome on TikTok and Instagram. I really have appreciated your content so much. And it, being a feminist and a staunch feminist for as long as I have been, I'm still learning new things from you. And so I just really appreciate it.
2: Oh, my goodness. That means a lot coming from you. I mean, you're doing really amazing work, too. So that, that really means a lot from you. I mean, that really means a lot coming from you. Um,
1: and thank you so much for inviting me um, today. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, tell, tell me a little bit, if you can, about kind of how you got into this work. You know, what led you to be a gender scholar and to focus so fervently on these issues?
2: I always had sympathy for women. Like, mm-hmm. I had an intellectual understanding. Like, by sympathy, I mean I always had an intellectual understanding of that objectively, system. A system, an abstract, some type of system is against women. So odds are sacked Mm -hmm. against women. I knew that. And there was was an intellectual understanding. So when people say protect women, protect children, like that felt right to me. That sounded Mm -hmm. right to me. But I had no idea. I didn't know that I was also a product of patriarchy and misogyny. Mm -hmm. And I had all these internalized, really, Mm -hmm. really messed up stuff. Um, I, I was a sexist, I was a misogynist, like all these things. And so when I studied labor um, in college and I started looking at labor history and how women's labor in particular is being treated in the market and how this entire economy is exploiting women and how this entire economy is not made possible without without women's labor, Mm -hmm. but yet we're treated like crap. Um, So this, the, 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 I looked at, I started looking at women and women's struggle through, you know, from the framework of labor Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: that's how I connected my sympathy to, Oh my God, like I need to do something about this. So that, that, you know, so more studying in college and studying labor really helped me convert my sympathy into empathy it was getting clear to me that you know i was i was lied to because growing mm-hmm. up i thought that men were in charge and they were they were the ones who constructed humanity they were the leaders they were the they were all these great figures like if, you, if they were the presidents and i i i now i now looked at the world and oh my god like these men were in charge on the backs of women on mm-hmm. the backs of women like women were constantly being like we we were the ones who were holding their holding their back because they can't stand mm-hmm. their own.
1: Mm-hmm. so
2: that that revelation was very I remember very striking to me, and I remember thinking, I got to study government and religion because these mm-hmm. two institutions are leading that exploitation and leading the female oppression. Mm-hmm. And while studying those two institutions more deeply, I remember that empathy empathy slowly being converted into compassion, Mm
1: -hmm. which is,
2: I figure, you know, and compassion I feel like is such an unruly and like urgent emotion. Like you have to do something, like you have to do something. Um, So that's how I got into activism and advocacy. And then I started meeting a lot of women who would share their stories with me. And it all started making sense like if if we don't smash patriarchy, if we don't do something about this female oppression, this world, the problems that we have in this world, global threat to security, mm-hmm. environmental threat, mm-hmm. like name all the name all the societal ills that we see in the world, they are not gonna stop. Mm-hmm. Because it all connects to patriarchy and female oppression. Making the world a better place without feminism. Does not make sense that's not a thing that is not real um so anybody who's not serious about feminism who is saying i want to make the world a better place he 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 or she i say he because it's most of the times it's men um <laughs> he is living with one eye one eye open um so that's that's kind of you know that's kind of how i became so dedicated to the cause um and I think it's my, I think it's my lifelong mission.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I mean, that's amazing. And, and to be clear for our listeners who maybe haven't seen your TikTok or Instagram yet, what exactly did you pursue educationally? So what were your studies? What have your degrees been in?
2: At Cornell, I studied industrial, industrial and labor relations. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at Harvard, I studied public policy and then um, uh, theological studies. Okay. Okay. my, uh, my specialization was religion, ethics, and politics.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, so it's, you know, it, I, I studied the, the two institutions that I was just talking about, which are, yeah. which are politics pol- and pol- religion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they play such an interesting role in both, I think the progress and the regress of our collective experience as humans. And so I, I know that a lot of people get very, um, quick to shut off their ears when people start talking about politics or religion. And I hope that for those listening, you know maybe you can extend um, a little bit more patience for that conversation, because certainly my perspective is not to bash the function of a lot of these different institutions, but to get curious about how do they get to where they are today? How can we improve them and make them better? you know, as objectively as any of us can. So from my perspective, coming from a position of mental health, I often see these systems of oppression, whether we're talking about sexism, racism, classism, all of the isms, they really get in the way of people being able to understand who they are, let alone how they show up in the world and in their relationships. Psychologically, I can explain why these systems are upheld, but I'm curious from a political perspective, from a religion, a religious perspective, what have you seen in your studies of these different, if you want to call them industries or um, areas of focus, What what keeps the system of patriarchal thinking going?
2: I think there is a group thing that happens for men, and I think there's a group thing that happens for women. And I think the group thing that happens for women is largely pushed onto us by men and by patriarchy.
1: Why has it been so hard to dismantle, mm-hmm. you know, in, in these two different areas? Cause it's been around
2: so long, but, but the, the way, the reason why I say that is because that's really important to acknowledge. So patriarchy mm-hmm. has created this system where our self worth is dependent on our obedience we are never supposed to question the rules. That's the rule of patriarchy. So mm-hmm. if you are, especially if you're a woman, your your self-worth, you know, is everybody else is a giver of your self-worth other than yourself. So mm-hmm. you are the only person receiving your self-worth. You, so you never understand. So that's why female empowerment is so important. Like. The, the power, the nexus of power lies within yourself. What Patriarch has told you, you got to find it everywhere else. So we have mm. books. We have mm. all these, right? Like all these, um, all these industries, all these industries coming at her with like, oh, you want to lose weight? You want to get smarter? You want to yeah. have a man? Like you want to, you know, like all these things. So that's why like feminists like me are feminists like you and me are pushing out, you know, women empowerment content being like, no, like it's, you got to realize your worth. And mm-hmm. all of that is to say the, the these two systems, government and religion, they have to do with people's psyche. Like, it, it, you know, like as long as the players in the playing field don't question the rules mm-hmm. and ask the judges and the referees why the playing field is so uneven and they keep trying to take out other players, judges and referees in the system don't have to do any work. Mm-hmm. And that's why I hate patriarchy because it's so cunning that way. It we're, al- we're always dividing and conquering. We're always fighting against each other. So that's why mm-hmm. the whole right? Oh, there's only, oh, and that's also a very, um, that's a, that all of that is, is, you know, it's so the, the playing field is inherently competitive. And that's mm-hmm. why, that's why I say capitalistic patriarchy is evil. Like it's just evil. Like you take capitalism and patriarchy and we have capitalistic patriarchy, which is what we have. Mm -hmm. And all of that comes from this scarcity mindset, right? So like her win is my loss Mm -hmm. and that's misogyny. So a lot of women have internalized, oh, she's winning? Like, wait a minute, but there are only two seats at the table.
1: Mm-hmm. There's only
2: one guy, one good guy. So, mm-hmm. like she, I have to take her out. Never mind that, like, never mind that whoever gave you this rule, like whoever whoever told you this reality, told you a really messed up reality. So start question, start, start holding that person accountable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So government and religion both had like that's why I'm so glad you're a psychologist, because psychologists are awesome. They play such an important role because these two institutions, the way they Messed us over is through playing with our psyche and mm-hmm. toying with our self esteem and toying with our self worth, and that's mm-hmm. why we see like a bunch of these people running around upholding patriarchy, not realizing that they're they're upholding them.
1: Well, the way that I think about it is that you know it really kind of boils down to what compels human behavior, and when we look at what some of um, the teachings of feminism tell us, essentially, we could make the assumption that power is what drives human behavior, right, to uphold a patriarchal system. But as a psychologist, I want to understand why. Why is power so important? Why is there such a premium on power and such a a sense of scarcity around it? And I think that really speaks to the scarcity mindset that you're referring to, because Obviously, there are um, many different gradations of abundance or, or lack thereof in our culture across the world. But if we pooled all of our resources together, there would be no scarcity, right? And so that to me is the biggest um, hiccup to get over here is this myth of scarcity. And why are we all fighting for what there is plenty of if we just got out of our own way?
2: Yeah that's a really good point and also it's you know it's it speaks to how unimaginative the system is yes a <laughs> capitalistic patriarchy literally cannot think of another another way but mm-hmm. to pit each other like pit each other against each other uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: because it's i mean it's it's tunnel vision it's it's mm-hmm. a very narrow narrow mindset mm-hmm. uh, that we can't Reimagine a different way of being with each other and treating each other and treating the resources right so it's you know the the collaboration is much more creative and imaginative Mm -hmm. than competition so you cut that off we have competition like which is (laughs) you know which is a system that is you know that is appealing to our basis you know Mm -hmm. base yes um so that's why So all of this is to say patriarchy sucks. Like, (laughs) can
1: we say that one more time for the cheap seats in the back? (laughs) Seriously, it's it's such an oppressive ideology, and and I think the thing that's so dangerous about it. You said this in one of your recent TikToks. um, You know, we're not born; we're not just thrust into this system as it is. You know, we frogs don't stay in a pot of boiling water, but. When they start in a, in a bath of cold water and the heat gets turned up, they don't even realize that they're getting cooked. And that's what's happened to all of us, because no matter who we are in life, we have a relationship to the systems that feed the culture around us, shape the minds of our parents and immediate family and our siblings and our friends and our peer groups and the media. So it's, it's a giant feedback loop always. And it's really difficult sometimes to disentangle our own individual thought and experience from that of the collective because the shared human experience is what keeps us um, connected and what keeps us alive. And I think it's a big part of what compels these systems forward because if I challenge myself to change and the people in my most immediate circles are not yet ready for that change, what's going to happen to those relationships? Well, they might not be there for me. So I think that one of the reasons from my perspective that it's so difficult to preempt change and there's such a resistance to change is that we don't know what's on the other side of that. And so when we don't know what we don't know, we cling to what's familiar, even if it's uncomfortable. And when we are ready to change and the people around us aren't, and we love those people or we depend on those people for survival in reality or in our mind, in our mind's mind, It's really challenging to step away because then you're alone. And that could represent an existential threat that most people, A, aren't even conscious of, and B, have a really difficult time navigating because we are wired for connection and we're wired for love. So we'll get it, even if it's not as soft and and nurturing as we might want it to be. So I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about kind of your definition of feminism and intersectional feminism. How are they similar? How are they different?
2: Yeah, that is yeah, that is such an important question. Big like when I became a feminist was mm-hmm. when other people started calling me a feminist. Oh, right. Isn't that isn't that interesting? So like yeah. for me, I at that point in my life, I didn't even really know what feminism was. All I did was to work for women's independence, mm-hmm. and then people people started calling me a feminist. So to me, if if working for female independence is what gets you to me, gets me to be a feminist, then I'm a feminist, right? Like I would, so to me, I never, because feminism is the the equality is the end goal and we have Mm -hmm. patriarchy. And so we can't just hop over from patriarchy to equality in one step. We have to go Mm -hmm. through the process and this process is feminism. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
2: mean, you know, we say we say process because it's a constantly evolving organism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a collaborative process. That's a, it. There's an inherent collaboration in that. So mm-hmm. there are people in pain and you know growing out of pain, and people trying to learn and listen to each other. There's that's all included in this process. That's the whole thing is feminism. Mm-hmm. So for me. I w- I'm an accidental feminist because people started calling me a <laughs> feminist when I started advocating for women and not even women, just women's independence. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I, the, the comment that I made to one of the professors who called me a feminist was that I said that women should not be forced to choose between public justice and personal happiness. They Like we, it, right? It's like, a, it's either you be a single mm-hmm. woman and, you know, like fight for justice or like you, mm-hmm. you, Lower your standards a little, and then you marry a guy and have kids, and you know, rare, like raises, mm-hmm. like these two things. Women should no. Women should either be able to have both because we're human beings. Mm-hmm. Or this dichotomy, that this choices like should not be it. It should not be they should not be a forced set of choices. Mm-hmm. And, I started fighting for women's independence and financial freedom and academic freedom, like all these mm-hmm. things. And the professor looked at me and said, Are you a feminist? And I remember looked, I remember looking at him and I was like, okay, number one, I don't know what that means. But if that's that's what it means to be a feminist, mm-hmm. then I'm a feminist. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's kind of how I was, you know, born into this role. Um mm-hmm. and ever since I stayed with it because why wouldn't you fight for women's independence, yeah. right? What's just, what, if you're not, if you're not for, if you're not in favor of women's independence, like you got to ask yourself, like, what you, what the hell, like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Right? Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, sometimes the, the word feminist is like the worst F word ever. It can be such a polarizing term. And I didn't even realize that. Um, When I first started learning about feminism, because the way it was introduced to me is feminism is a construct that demands everyone is treated equally. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, well, duh, of course, (laughs) of course, yes, we should all be treated equally regardless of our gender, regardless of our age, our ethnicity, our race, our wallet, any of it, right? Why would any of us not be treated as whole, equal, worthwhile human beings? It didn't even dawn on me. That we weren't, that's how entrenched I was in the system of patriarchy. I had, I had drank so much Kool-Aid and didn't even realize the level of oppression that I was living in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just sort of bumbled my way through life and proudly announced that I was a feminist because of course I would be, right? Especially as a psychologist, I advocate for all of the people that I work with, regardless of their gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the other variables that make up of who they are. So I never really understood the pushback that I I was getting um, in the dating world or uh, with family or in friend groups. Oh, gosh, don't tell people you're a feminist. Oh, gosh, that'll be really off-putting. And and really, it was flummoxing to me that it should even, that there's even a word for it and a word needed for equality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really hear, you know, what you're saying in terms of being an advocate For women's rights and really helping uh, women see a path away from oppression. But I think the gift inherent in that for men is that they don't have to bear all of the responsibility for taking care of women and children. That's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of pressure. And I feel like if there's one inherent gift of feminism across the board for gender is that it divvies up the pool of responsibility and it says, hey, we all can contribute in a way here whether even if people in relationships still adhere to more um, divided, you know, chores around the home or, or things of that nature. But feminism really is about the, uh, treating each other with equal respect and paying, you know, paying an equal um, amount of credibility to work that is considered feminine.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I think that's you I think you hit that nail on the head too like right it's yeah it's it's uplifting that pressure from from men to yeah. be a sole provider um of a household but also just I mean I really want the fathers to get to know their children. Yes. All right? Like he must like to me we all want to get rid of societal ills. And the role of a father is really important. Mm -hmm. So it is in our it is in everyone's interest to make sure that fathers nurture their children. And there's nothing stopping, nothing biologically stopping men from playing the nurturing role. It's Mm -hmm. all socialization. Yes. like, like you said, we're all geared towards human connections.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Father loving their children. And I think patriarchy is in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is because in patriarchy, like this, this, this role of, you know, protection and the authority and the, in the the, 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 this, this rigid role that a father is supposed to play to me, that's not love, right? Like to me, when I talk about fathers and when I talk about, you know, oh, what, you know, people ask me, what do you think needs to happen, Mm -hmm. you know, for feminism to be successful? I go, I think we need to start loving our children. That's it. Right. Like, yes. By that, I mean, just support, just fucking support them. Like if, if the boy wants to go and play with glitter, then support him. If a girl Mm -hmm. wants to go fuck shit up without hurting other people, then go ahead and go ahead and support her. Mm -hmm. Like we just have to love them for who they are. And it's, we somehow, like all of us are freaking out when we find out who our children really are. And we're just like, oh no, you can't be that. Like you have to, no, you're (laughs) supposed to be like this, like because of your gender. Like it's, that, that's to Mm -hmm. to me hate, right? Like that to Mm -hmm. me is, 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 is is, is, abuse. It is. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, we human beings, like from, apart from an, like other animal species, are supposed mm-hmm. to strive for sex, uh, self actualization,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and parents and adults and teachers and you know all these institutions getting in the way of children being you know getting that place. I think that's hate, mm-hmm. and you're you know as you said abuse. Mm-hmm. So why why aren't you a feminist? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Well, I think, I think you, you really were spot on when you said this um, and forgive me, I was just watching like 10, 10 of your TikToks. So I don't remember if you said this in this conversation or one of your TikToks that I was just watching, um, but you were talking about how um, men who won't call themselves a feminist are really afraid of being associated with anything that is feminine and therefore not masculine. Right. And I think that's really spot on. And so we, when we think back to, again, what compels human behavior, it's identity and how I see myself impacts my sense of security in my group, the group that I've determined is important to me and the group with, within which I will get my needs met. So if I am trying so hard to be perceived as a man, right? The definition that I've been given of that is tough, not soft, mm. right? Shrewd, not, not um, malleable or, or open-minded and flexible, right? Uh, distant, closed off from my feelings. And if I show emotions, so if I don't fit this very rigid, um cookie cutter definition of what I've been given, then I might get rejected from the men. Right. Right. And if I'm rejected from them, then then what do I do? Am I not a man? And that's really challenging for a lot of men to think about. Um, or will I be abused by men who do adhere to this, you know, yeah. strong, tough, um, you know, rigid role. So I think men are in a really, really challenging spot and one of the biggest obstacles that I see in terms of helping the feminist movement, or if we want to call it a humanist movement, whatever word fits for people, you know, a movement of less aggression, less violence, less hate, more equality, more consideration, more empathy. Um, We really do have to start looking at how are we socializing our children? How are we treating them? And what are the models for how to be that they are given? And I know a lot of parents think they're doing a Uh, what's best for their children by saying things like men don't cry or don't be a pussy or all the things right because that's the that's the the instruction manual that they've been given about how to be a man or how to grow a man how to be a woman how to grow a woman but when we aren't willing to look at what is actually our neurobiological truths what are our neurobiological truths then we get stuck with nothing more than a prescribed set of ideas and that is incongruent with who most of us are and I think that's why we're so uncomfortable and so um rooted in making sure we get that that scarcity and I don't think the scarcity is money I don't think the scarcity is food I think it's emotional and relational needs being met
2: so one movement that I would love to see um you know, to be included in feminism is redefining mm-hmm. sexy yes. and defining what is attractive, because to me, um, I don't know about you, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but um, I'm, I have masculine traits, right? Yes. Like I'm more of a, like, I'm more, you know, I, I, I've never, I just have never, you know, been that, you know, good girl, like good girl. And mm to me men who cry men who show their emotions men who are empathetic and men mm. who are considerate are so sexy right like oh they're my God. So the sexiest yeah right? mm-hmm. like and i see and then i come across men who are like oh let me shoot some guns and i'm like oh get the fuck out of my face right like it, <laughs> it's, it's like right it's, so there are these these this toxic masculinity yeah. and the the men who say oh hey let me provide for you and let me protect you. Like all that, that is, that is not attractive. Like, I don't think a lot of men realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even research, so many research there's, that is done on this. Like when we look at a male leader, we want to see somebody who is going to empathize with their subordinates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it plays a big role um, in who, you know, who... Who is who is respected and who mm-hmm. you know, who who be, and who is you know who's who's reputable because reputation is built on you know sustainable relationships, right? Um, so there's there are so many practical benefits to a man being empathetic, and yet mm-hmm. we still are not talking about that enough, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I would love to see more women and more men, more not more women, talk about. Talk about that you know mm-hmm. talk about how sexy it is that a man yeah. can, you know you know can cry and you know be be open and honest mm-hmm. and transparent and not care about what other people think and not care about what other men think um yeah. i think that's super attractive
1: Well, I'm right there with you. (laughs) You know, any partner of mine needs to have tremendous emotional um, intelligence and relational intelligence, because those are my values. But I understand that there are a lot of people out there who maybe haven't been um, given that, you know, template in life, or they haven't learned it at some point in their lives. And so it may not be as appealing to them. And they do tend to sort of fall back into this idea of what is sexy as for a man is sort of rough and tumble and take no nonsense and don't show weakness. But I really do think that, especially in um, in generations like maybe late gen X, uh, millennials and gen Z there, there, there does seem to be a little bit of a paradigm shift, but also more of a bifurcation. I don't know if you're seeing this in your work too, but I've been noticing that there are significant groups of young men who are so much more emotionally aware and communicative right and then there's also um a a large group of men who are clinging more and more to these ideas of um sort of you know masculinity meaning that you don't have a feeling and the only feelings you're allowed to express are anger or Mm -hmm. pride how can we make this okay Mm -hmm. um for men to begin cracking that code right so for men who really are stuck in that rigid confine of what we what we're calling toxic masculinity. And I want to be really clear when I use that word, I don't mean to say that men are bad. I don't like the line that men are trash at all. I think that's a bullshit line because men aren't trash. They are a product of the environment that they've been raised in and they've been raised in a patriarchal world too that has told them they have to show up a certain way or else. One of the questions that I I wanted to talk about with you today is how do we create a path forward, in your opinion, where it's safe for men to start inching toward a more integrated place, right? More integrated, like, thoughts and feelings, where they don't have to be shamed forever and ever, even at all, um, for having, you know, upheld a certain mindset or set of beliefs. If they're making change moving forward, because I think that's one of the biggest places where men are afraid to say things like, wow, I'm a part of this system or, oh, God, I can't believe I did this thing or that thing. I don't want to be that guy. I think it's a huge clash with how they see themselves.
2: Yeah. And that's very threatening.
1: It is. Of yeah,
2: and that's why and that's why patriarchy is so cunning, because it, it's, 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 it's a really evil system, because it all it does is shame people into a role. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have people to extract obedience out of people, it has to shame people. It has mm-hmm. to play up people's fears. And that's why mm-hmm. I hate this system so much because it's, you know, what kind of system plays on people's fears and, you know, shaming people for it to work, mm-hmm. right? Only patriarchy. Um, so I that, that is, that is one thing that I wanted to say, but also I think this is where, the men who grew up with amazing, strong role models mm-hmm. um, of women um, have to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, the The challenge of me being a female feminist um, is that I do not have the social power and the position and the privilege of a man. And mm-hmm. so men take cues from each other. Men are they have the social power that I do not. Mm-hmm. And so when I, you know, these good male allies, and when I say good male allies, I have a certain, I I'm talking about a certain subset of men who really they're out there. They're good men. They're they really are. Good human beings. Mm-hmm. And they really need to step up and start talking to them, talking to the rest of the men and really mm-hmm. addressing them. And there are, there are men who do that. And what I found to be true of all those good male good genuine male allies is that they can very fluently point to women Mm -hmm. who have inspired them Mm -hmm. who inspire them daily who they look up to like who who they really respect and admire and who really who they really appreciate Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know because and they they have this they have this, you know, female, respect, uh, female respectability as, you know, it's, it's ingrained in them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's women don't exist as sexual beings or sexual objects. They actually exist as neighbors and mothers and, you know, uh, colleagues and bosses, mm-hmm. and teachers, mm-hmm. And all these human beings who are functioning and who have all these mm. characteristics that they mm. want to emulate, so yeah. good men are out there. They are there. They exist, and they are doing their work. But it's the 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 this, this space that needs to be created created for men in general. Those men have to lead it. Have to leave that. Have to lead that space,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that's why I keep saying like. Genuine male allies, you know, genuine male allies, can we, you know, can, you know we got to, we got to encourage genuine male allies. We got to work with genuine male allies because um, they have tremendous power mm-hmm. to shape this landscape. And unfortunately, yeah. we do not. We women just don't. So we either it's the, the option is we have to like, you know, unionize, which won't happen because there are plenty of women with internalized misogyny. Um, Mm -hmm. We have to work with these good male allies. Uh, So we do want men in feminism.
1: We do. Oh my God. We need men. We need men in feminism, just like men need women in feminism. You know, we, we all need each other and there's just no getting around that. I think the, the goal of feminism is to start valuing each other equally and to, and you hit it right on the head, right? the the people who are allies to the movement of feminism regardless of their gender are people who have learned to see the gestalt of the human being instead of the object of you know what that human can do for them and and they don't objectify really they they have a focus on humanizing and seeing each person as a a, a whole total of all of their experiences their parts their emotions, their contributions to the world, um, their fears, right? If we really start to humanize each other more uh, fervently, then I think we have a good chance of healing the underlying wounds that compel people to stay rigidly fixed in a system that is stacked against everyone, regardless of gender.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of women, uh, and I think a lot of women are also getting stuck um, between you know like mm-hmm. between these two narratives of we need feminism and men and women don't need men and these these two are i want to i think i think it's a, i think this is a really good opportunity to you know clarify that you know those two narratives because it, when we say we need men in feminism we're appealing to the interconnectedness of human beings
1: yes. mm-hmm.
2: we're not saying you know, we're not pushing forward this agenda of, you know, agenda that which is part of patriarchy that goes, women need men, right? Like we yeah. men the whole human beings. Like that's, <laughs> not, that's not what we're saying it's understanding that everyone that person's pain is my own and that Mm -hmm. person's struggle is my own i had a part to play in that person's struggle everyone is connected to each other and this interdependence is what makes the human world um it goes around that way Um, Mm -hmm. that's the narrative that you know when when you and i talk about you know we need men in feminism. That's the narrative. Mm-hmm. The women don't need men is also true because for you to be a full human being, you do not need men.
1: Correct. Like, men Correct. are not
2: the end to your sufferings. Like they are not. Men. <laughs> they're not. They're not the savior. Like they're not. Yeah. The, right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so, they're
1: not the. They're not the 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 only people who can save us from this mission. But they do need to be a part of it. Right.
2: right. Exactly. We, we, we all, all do. do. Very well put.
1: Yeah, we we all need to be on board with treating each other equally, treating each other with respect, empathy, and compassion, because you're right. Your pain is my pain. My pain is my partner's pain. My partner's pain is his family's pain. You know, it just, everybody is interconnected and, and everything that we put out in the world has a ripple effect on the collective. And that's the same collective from which we draw our own individual, you know, sense of self. So it's, Really, kind of dangerous to live in a myopic world where we say things like, It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What good could I do? I'm only one person. I can't change a system. Um, feminism doesn't matter to me or it doesn't impact me or the patriarchy doesn't impact me or any of that stuff because it does, right? It is the hot water that we've all been grown up, we've all been raised in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah. So, what's one thing that you think? um, male allies could say to other men who haven't quite taken that step yet to really help them see the light. Any ideas?
2: I think I want to say two things. I think first is, um, and I say this with, you know, understanding that there is a social cost and like,
1: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
2: cultural cost to saying these things because men, of course. they, they have this culture and they defer to each other. Um, but, I think we all need to understand that, you know, so many rapes and so many harassments and so many abuse cases could have been stopped if one of the men in the room said, had said, dude, that's fucked up. Yep, Don't treat her that way. Yeah. Like it's, it took, it would have taken one man. And because that one man didn't step up, rape happened, abuse happened, harassment happened. So it's, the power of your voice, like what men really need to understand, is their really, own, like, really social power.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, it doesn't matter how many times I can say that, like, 500 times, and they will still mm-hmm. go, like, oh, she's right. Like, she's a feminist. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it, it's, a, you know, the dismissal that women face yep. as part of being a woman is, is not a common experience for men, especially when they are listening to each other, with when they're mm-hmm. when they're you know you know hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I need you to introduce to your male bond disruption mm. of respect, of female yeah. respectability. Yeah. Um and good male allies do that. And that they they are that's why I keep saying they're the most like remarkable, like they're really selfless wonderful human beings, because they assume those risks, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the men who know these things and don't do it, and men who know these things and still do it, the difference is these people are taking the risk, right? These are the people who are saying, I know what's going to take. I know like they're probably going to look at me and, you know, attack my masculinity and they have homo, you know, homophobia and heterosex- heterosexism, but it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm, I'm yeah. still going to state my, my piece. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the bravery and the courage and, you know, that, that the, the, the resilience, like those yeah. pieces are present with good male allies.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so that's one thing that I wanted to say. I think the second thing is um, there, I think there, you know, addressing men and just saying, that's so fucked up. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, that, that is, that can go a really long way. Mm -hmm. Also when you, you know, when you address your fellow men point to the women who, who are doing the hard work, who you respect, who you inspire and who you appreciate and promote her. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's, it's, that's advocacy. Right? So mm-hmm. you're literally using your you're literally inserting your body and your mind and your social power so that she gets amplified and she is heard and taken seriously to these men who otherwise wouldn't listen to her. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're pointing and you're allocating your social power and say that's the woman you should be listening to. Right? Mm-hmm. So and good male allies do this and they do this really fluently and they do it really mm-hmm. well. So I know they exist. It's just they're not on TikTok performing. Right. Like (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I feel really passionate about this because it's, I mean, no, like it's I don't I don't mean to say that. Like I mean to say, you know, there are a lot of good male allies on TikTok too. But like I say this because like so many women, I see so many women like who send me this stuff like on TikTok. Oh my God, like he's the hope for humanity. It's like women. He only he only talked about the fact that we all need to care about feminism once. Like, will you just like let him prove, let him him show it to you? Like, yeah. um, Once is
1: a good start. But let's see if it's a pattern.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and when no women are looking, I think is what I'm really hearing you say. Right. When allies to any movement do the hard work when nobody from the movement is looking. Exactly. And that's really key, right? We Women don't need to know that you're doing this stuff, guys, if you're out there, but challenge it, challenge it when there's nobody to give you a gold star, challenge it when there's nobody to say, you know, thank you, do it because you know, it's right, because we know that, you know, it's right. And that's what, in my opinion, makes people respectable, right? When they do the hard work, even when nobody's looking.
2: I think that's why I get really frustrated with the performative male allies, yeah like i hate like i really hate them like <laughs> i think i hate them more than i hate the proud boys yeah. like the because a lot right because the proud boys don't bother me like they're what am i going to do with them like they're just you know they're out there doing their stuff like <laughs> like, pr- like the these performative male allies is they're inherently i mean i think they're really problematic they they you know, how many stories have I heard where um, a man used his, you know, public platform for feminism and to acquire female attention yep. all the while abusing and raping women in his, in his own life, in his personal mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's good male allies know that their journey begins with introspection. So mm-hmm. really taking a hard look at how am I treating women in my life? Like how have I been treating women in my life? Mm-hmm. So they, they, they try, you know, they wear, they wear feminism in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their work is often behind the door, like behind the doors. And they're, they're, you know, they're very brave when they are coming to, they're coming to, you know, insert themselves when a woman is getting attacked um, mm-hmm. in, in public um, when she's using her voice,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but performative male allies, they're really right They're They're appropriating, our movement for Mm -hmm. their for their ego and their own games exactly entitlement and Mm -hmm. i think that's inherently predatory Mm -hmm. exploitative and -hmm. i think that's more damaging to women than proud boys because proud boys we know that they're evil like we don't we don't want to we don't want to associate with associate with them right for male allies they're like i think it you know it fucks with your head and
1: yeah, well, I mean, it's it's operating under the guise of, I can be trusted, I will support you, but the intentions, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, are very incongruent with that message, and so it, it is really dangerous when anybody does performative social justice, because, again, when we have those sort of ego gains at stake, then we're really not supporting the movement at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This has been so eye-opening and so enjoyable. Thank you so much. Um, I would love to have you back on so we can talk about what women can do to support the movement and really kind of address that internalized misogyny piece. Thank you again.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Modern Intimacy. Follow our show on your favorite podcast app by going to modernintimacy.com slash podcast. And while you're there, Don't forget to enter in a question or a topic idea for future episodes. That's modernintimacy.com slash podcast. This show is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for therapy or psychiatric care. Listening to this show or submitting questions or topic ideas does not constitute a therapeutic or professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or any providers that work at Modern Intimacy. If you're having a medical or psychiatric emergency, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. All opinions expressed by guests on this show are those of the guests only and are not necessarily indicative of those opinions held by Dr. Kate Balistrieri or staff at Modern Intimacy. Thank you for listening to today's show. For more episode information, and helpful tips, visit modernintimacy.com or follow us on Instagram at intimacy or follow Dr. Kate on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrieri. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old.